Hello there, beautiful beings. Welcome back to the Starseed Network podcast. I'm your host and personal spirit guide, Saula Ilona Vaida, here to bring you with me, exploring our spiritual human experience, the ascension process on Earth, and speaking to amazing light workers, starseeds, and beings all around the world. So today I'm diving into a little channeled episode about love, about relationships, um, about different things that we face within navigating this world of intimate relationships. I am purely speaking um, from experiences, lessons that I've learned and integrated in my life, also things that I've been learning and picking up, teachers that I follow, different books I've been reading that have been helping me process things, and as always, just pure channeling from my higher self, my divine guides who serve 100% God light. So I'm really here to offer a very heart-centered, a very safe and compassionate, vulnerable, and loving approach to just talking about this whole thing. So my intention as always is to approach this as a loving friend, guide, mentor, and if you resonate with my work, if you would like to go deeper together, I do offer one-to-one deep quantum healing sessions, so check out the link in the bio for that. All right, so let's dive in. I really don't know where this is going to go. As always, we are just flowing, channeling, and surrendering to that. So I want to first talk about the heart. So when we talk about love, obviously this is something that we think would be something that happens in the heart. But a lot of the time, our approach to love in our society and the way that we interact with others doesn't come from the heart. It comes from the mind. It can come from the ego. It can come from the desires or the vision, the picture that we have of this other person or what we feel like we might get out of this other person or what we may be looking to get out of this other person. So unconsciously, when we're engaging in a relationship of any type, unconsciously most of us are looking for one way or another to get our needs met so this manifests in different ways and this is often a very common trait of people who have suffered from childhood trauma and display either narcissistic or codependent tendencies which honestly are two sides of the same coin so we can't go around accusing people of being narcissists or being codependent without recognizing our own trauma and the ways that that contributes to that whole rhetoric. So essentially what I've learned from Teal Swan is that narcissism and codependency are both maladaptive relationship strategies. So when you grow up in a household where your needs are not being met, you feel unsafe. Either, you know, there is a culture within the household of needs not being met, people talking over each other, people not respecting each other, people not respecting each other's boundaries. You will have to developmentally switch and adapt yourself in order to get your basic needs met. This is a human survival tactic. When we don't feel safe, when we don't feel secure within having our needs met, we have to twist ourselves into some shape or form in order to get what we need. And 
this is purely for survival. So there are two different ways that this can go. Some people, they go to the narcissistic side. They, you know, start creating their own very big inflated sense of identity in order to subversively get their needs met through other people. Other people go to the codependent side where they excessively meet other people's needs, subjugate themselves to other people's needs in order to subversively get their needs met. But both of these strategies, outside of a dysfunctional household and in an intimate relationship, do not serve to properly communicate what each person needs in that moment. So whether you feel like you're dealing with a more narcissistic or a codependent patterning, and I could definitely go deeper into both of these. Um, but this is basic, the very, very basic gist of it. Regardless of whether you're dealing with a narcissistic or a codependent patterning, either way, there is a feeling within you of distrust in having your own needs met in a healthy and abundant way. So both of these come from a foundation of lack. The whole basis of narcissism, the whole core of narcissism is lack and separation. It's the feeling that you don't trust the universe, you don't trust yourself, you don't trust your environment enough to provide what you need. So you have to create your own persona, manipulate others to get your basic needs met. So honestly, I have picked up in myself of both of these strategies, both of these narcissism and codependency, because at one point or another, we work with either of them. We're reflected, both of them, from other people. And the thing is, we have to realize when we're dealing with people who are narcissistic or codependent is that we have to have so much compassion because what really is going on there is that someone was so deeply abused and so deeply denied of receiving what they needed from their primary caregivers and guardians that they have now had to resort to strategies that are very harmful and toxic to other people. And they oftentimes don't realize what they're doing. And they're oftentimes not even able to properly communicate and express what they need. So they have to turn to these maladaptive strategies. And basically, both of these strategies are mirrors of each other. So for example, on the narcissistic side, the person who has more narcissistic tendencies would display an inflated sense of self, an inflated sense of ego, and pulling in all this energy, taking this energy from other people in order to give themselves more in order to big themselves up because if they were to actually turn inward and face what true pain and harm is going on within them, it would be too much to bear. So instead of facing it, they kind of open up this inflated sense of ego, this inflated sense of self, while the codependent person on the opposite spectrum has absolutely no sense of self. They have no sense of themselves outside of what they can give to others. They don't feel any worth towards themselves other than what they can provide for others because they see others as a way of getting their needs net, which is the same as the narcissist. <laughs> so and if you're in a codependent side of that scenario, you would have no sense of self and you would subjugate yourself giving and giving and giving to others with this unconscious expectation, this unconscious desire, this unconscious asking for your needs to be met in return. But in both of those scenarios, the person that you're dealing with, it's not fair to them because they are not aware of what 
you're actually asking for. They're not aware of what you actually need because you're not able to express it in a direct and honest way. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I definitely have been working through a lot of this codependency stuff because it's continuously being revealed to me. And the reason why codependents and narcissists are always attract each other and people say narcissists and empaths attract each other. So the thing is with codependence, a lot of the time codependency and empath, empathy can go hand in hand. But what's really going on here is not a true sense of empathy because the codependent is able to be very hyper fixated, very, um, you know, yeah, hyper fixated on the other person's needs out of a place of fear, out of a place of manipulation, because they too are manipulating this person to give them what they want. It's just more subversive and it's more you know, kind of under the radar. Like the narcissist is going to do it outright. The narcissist is going to be exposed doing it, but the codependent is able to get away with being like, oh, I've done nothing but love you. I've done nothing but give you everything. And you haven't given me anything in return because they as well are not capable of meeting their own needs in a safe and healthy fashion. And they're also not capable of expressing their needs clearly to the other person that they're dealing with. So this is why these types often attract each other. And I am continually learning more and more about this. And a lot of the learning that I do is from my own life experience and my own realizations. And also the incredible wisdom that is available for free on the internet. <laughs> so <laughs> diving back into what, what is kind of coming up here as we're talking about this narcissism and codependency pattern is that with the codependency, you're always going to need other people. You're always going to be searching for other people for your sense of validation. While the narcissist, they have such a huge sense of validation of themselves externally, but on the inside, they know that they're nothing without the attention and the validation of other people. So on both spectrums, it's really two beings who feel so deeply traumatized and so insecurely attached within themselves that they are not able to self-soothe. They're not able to provide their own needs. And instead, they search for that validation and satisfaction through others, through external reflections. And the things that I've realized through working through this process is that we can heal an attachment style. We can heal our attachment styles, whether it be anxious, avoidant. We can rebuild our timeline. We can rewrite our timeline. And the ways that I've been working through this is through the quantum healing process, of course, through the parts work, going back to these core traumas, going back to these core wounds, which oftentimes happens in the womb, in the mother's womb. So I was in a meditation today and I was connecting because I know that I have trauma from being in the womb. I almost died when I was in the womb. And so all of this dysregulation that my mother was carrying as I, before I was even born, before I even came to this world, all of the dysregulation, all of the absence of my father, all of the stress, all of the lack of support, all of the, you know, like the placenta like tore and I almost died in the womb, all of that stuff has directly and deeply affected my development as a person, my development of my attachment style, my feeling of security and safety in the world. So what I did in this meditation and what I've been doing in this process for some time now is rewriting the timelines. So energetically visualizing, taking 
this baby infant self of mine out of out of my mother's womb and putting her into the womb of divine mother, of a divine, loving, pure, completely emotionally available and safe mother. And also creating my own timeline with a divine father figure. So when I ask myself, how does it feel to be raised by a divine mother and a divine father? It's this feeling of my heart being able to relax and being able to deeply heal in response to that truth. Because we, in the quantum field, we have the potential to rewrite our past, present, and future. We have the potential to switch our timelines. This is what it means to quantum jump. And when you quantum jump from the root, from your pure entry into this world, you can switch the entire trajectory of your life, the entire capacity of your nervous system, how you feel and how you relate to the world. So this is a complex process. I'm not going to pretend like it happens in one day. And I myself have been working it for a, a long time now, it feels. Um, so in this process today, it was about moving into this safe and healthy womb space, feeling desired as a baby, feeling loved as a baby, feeling like my parents really wanted me and that my parents were really caring for me. And then from the advice of my friend who offered me this other technique, kind of writing down what you deserve from a parent. So for example, I deserve a mother who loves me, wants me, and cares for me. I deserve a mother who protects me. I deserve a mother who nurtures me. I deserve a mother who helps me feel safe even when there's conflict. And a huge healing moment for me as well was imagining this you know, alternate timeline baby self of mine doing something bad, doing something naughty, and how my divine parents in this reality would respond to what I did. So instead of getting mad at me or saying, oh, you're terrible or punishing me, they were patient, they were kind, they were loving, they explained clearly what was going on. They explained how I had upset them. And then they told me that I was not bad, that I was not wrong, that it's okay. And even just doing that exercise, like rewrote massive things in my timeline currently, in my nervous system currently, in my attachment style currently, and how I relate with the world and how I relate with other people. Because what has been coming up in a massive way in my relationships is different levels of enmeshment trauma, different levels of maladaptive relationship strategies, anxious avoidant attachment styles, attracting people who were to replay those abandonment wounds, replay those original traumas in order for me to come closer to the root of them. So the reason why we attract people into our lives who trigger the hell out of us is so that we can get closer to these core wounds and heal them from the inside out because we are all capable of healing our attachment style. Like even if you have an anxious avoidant attachment style and avoidant attachment style, whatever it may be, you're able to rewrite your timeline, rewrite your past, and rewrite the way that you relate with the world and the ways that what of what you accept in the world. So that's been a huge lesson for me lately. Something that I've been learning about from Miss Teal Swan as well is that when you're attracted to someone, um, that unexplainable magnetism that you have for someone, even if rationally you know this is toxic, this is not good, that magnetism, that attraction you have towards someone is because that person embodies something that you are rejecting within yourself. 
Okay. So if you are rejecting a part of your personality that is loud, that is boisterous, that is confident, you're going to be so attracted to a person who embodies that with ease. Because essentially the reason why we're attracted to people is because so we can integrate the energies that they bring us into our life so that we can integrate within ourselves what they bring, what they reflect to us. So a lot of the times, you know, we talk about reflection and projection as well. And you feel, you know, when someone is projecting something onto you, when you, it doesn't quite resonate. If someone's accusing you of something and it doesn't quite resonate, doesn't feel true to you and being honest with yourself about that, that is a clear projection energy. That is something that this person is putting onto you that is true about themselves, that they don't want to admit to themselves or they're not ready to be aware of within themselves. So it's the same with the reflection. What you see that you love about somebody is something about yourself that you love or something about yourself that you want to integrate more of into your reality. And what you're afraid of in another person, what scares you in another person is what you have yet to integrate within yourself as well. So for example, I was scared to death of polyamory. I'm going to get real, real, like real personal with you guys. I have always been super scared of polyamory, but at the same time, there is this part of me that is really deeply fascinated by it. So I kept attracting polyamorous people into my life, people who maybe were emotionally unavailable, who didn't want a commitment, didn't want a monogamous relationship, while I was continuing to um, adamantly adamantly justify and say to myself, I'm monogamous. I want a monogamous relationship. I want a committed monogamous relationship. I can't accept this polyamory energy. I can't accept it. And what this creates, first of all, is denial of true self between you and the person you're dealing with, because obviously you cannot completely bulldoze someone's way of being and someone's existence, whatever it may be, whether you're polyamorous or monogamous, both are valid and both are worthy of being respected for what they are. So as I was beginning super triggered by this whole polyamory thing, it was forcing me to have to face it and work through it within myself and accept the parts of myself that, you know, maybe do have a desire, do have a curiosity about polyamory. And through accepting them, I was also able to realize that I don't need to force myself into a situation of that reality. I don't need to force myself into you know, forcing myself to be polyamorous if I'm not even 100% sure if that's what I want. But the reason I was attracting it was because I was so scared. I was so scared of that aspect of myself that I kept manifesting people and scenarios that reflected that fear back to me. But as soon as I was able to accept that part of myself, able to accept the fear, accept the jealousy, accept the possessiveness, recognize it and integrate it into my heart, I'm able to make a more conscious choice about whether or not I want to be polyamorous or monogamous. And 
for me, honestly, like I feel more resonating with monogamy, but now that I've integrated this part of myself, I don't have to be deathly afraid of the polyamory anymore. I don't have to be rejecting it, pushing it away because as I reject it, I'm continuing to attract people who reflect that to me. And it was really, it was just going on for a while. I was like, why am I attracting polyamorous people when I feel monogamous? Like I want to be monogamous. And it was a learning experience for me to have to recognize and integrate that part of myself and not shame that part of myself, not be afraid of that part of myself, and also be able to to consciously choose what I want. So that kind of takes me into the next phase of this, of what I've been learning with this topic. Also reading this book, Existential Kink, um, that I first heard about through a TikTok and then has been further recommended to me. But the main premise of this book is that when we make the unconscious conscious, we no longer keep manifesting it into our lives, quote unquote, undesirable experiences because our unconscious is desiring it. So a huge core tenet of this principle is that no matter what your desire is, it's going to be fulfilled. So a lot of the times our desires are unconscious. We have so many unconscious desires that would be so icky and disgusting to our conscious self to to know about them. So this is where like the whole concepts of like kinks come in and suppression, repression. Um, so a lot of it that I've been feeling into is like, for example, I have a, I had a subconscious desire and a subconscious enjoyment of living in scarcity and lack and being super stressed about money. And although my conscious mind was constantly saying abundance affirmations and doing meditations to attract abundance and calling all these things into my life, what I was continually manifesting was my unconscious desire because the unconscious is sometimes so much stronger than the conscious. So when we're able to admit and integrate within ourselves, hey, maybe I enjoy being financially unstable and find pleasure in that statement. So the whole premise of this book is that you find pleasure in everything, finding pleasure in even the icky, gross, (laughs) undesirable aspects and desires of our conscious and unconscious mind. So for in this case, it's all about self-pleasure and feeling the pleasure of, of living the experience that maybe consciously we're denying. So for example, if you were to be like, okay, I am willing to admit to myself that I enjoy like being financially unstable and allow yourself to feel the pleasure of that. Allow yourself to fully embody and feel the juiciness and the pleasure of that experience. And in this case, also it incorporates the meditation incorporates, you know, having an orgasm or having a pleasurable release of some kind. This helps bring and in and integrate that unconscious aspect of yourself. So a big one that I had to sit with as well was I am willing to admit that I enjoy creating drama in a relationship. And I had to admit that to myself because all the time I was like, oh, I don't want the drama. I I can't stand drama. I yada, yada, yada. 
but unconsciously I was the one creating the drama. I was the one playing a huge part. I'm not the only one, but I was playing a huge part in creating the drama. So when I was able to admit that to myself and integrate that part of myself and love that part of myself and accept that part of myself, no matter how, you know, messy it seems to us or no matter how taboo it seems to us to to face these darker aspects of ourselves and we think oh no 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 I shouldn't I shouldn't you know enjoy this but either way consciously or unconsciously you are enjoying it you are enjoying the experience you're creating and you wouldn't be living the experience that you're creating unless you subconsciously were desiring it and calling it in So a lot of the times when we are subconsciously desiring and calling in certain things, it's calling in for the further integration and reintegration of different aspects of our being. That's the whole purpose of it. So like I said in the last episode, we are the creators of our reality. We create our limitations and we also create our ability to supersede those limitations is that our unconscious aspects are creating our reality Okay, our subconscious mind and our unconscious mind is what's creating our reality. So when we say an affirmation, for example, if you're saying like I um, abundance comes to me easily and effortlessly, you're saying this affirmation and you feel resistance in you. It's because there is an unconscious aspect that enjoys the inverse of that statement. There is an unconscious aspect that enjoys believing that abundance is limited, that abundance can only come from certain sources. And when you're able to recognize that and integrate it in a healthy and loving way and say, okay, like I am subconsciously creating my experience and it's okay that I have these like weird or messed up desires. It's okay. Because they're, you know, it's it's just part of our human psyche. It's part of our human experience. So when we make the unconscious conscious and we integrate it with love, we have so much more sovereignty and more of a clear choice on how we want to live our lives because we're no longer being ruled by the unconscious aspects. So this goes for the same thing in relationships because a lot of the times what we're attracting and what we're attracted to is an unconscious desire. So unconsciously, and I'm, and I'm sure a lot of people are aware of this as well. A lot of you guys probably are aware of this as well. We are unconsciously attracting people who can help us recreate the situations and the traumas we had with our parents. So we unconsciously are attracting this so we can consciously heal it. Okay. So as messed up as that might seem, <laughs> we are unconsciously attracting people who remind us of our parents so that we unconsciously can heal the cycle and break out of the cycle and fix them. So if we were looking to fix our childhood experience through fixing our partners, through teaching our partners how to love us, through subversively getting our partners to meet our needs through different tactics without acknowledging the core root that truly we're creating the situation, we're creating the reality within ourselves. And why would we be, we ask ourselves, why am I attracted to this person who treats me like this? How am I tolerating this? Why am I allowing myself to stay in this situation? It's because there's still that part of you that has not resolved that attraction. It has not acknowledged and not resolved what you're trying to resolve through the relationship with this person. So for example, 
I was unconsciously manifesting and attracting someone who reminded me of my mother. Someone who exhibited a lot of the same behaviors, patterns, traumas, and triggers that I experienced in my relationship with my mother. Because unconsciously, in my wounded child's experience, I believed that if I could fix this relationship, if I could heal this relationship, if I could be good enough for this person... If I, could, I thought, you know, if I could be good enough for this person, if I could be worthy enough for this person, if they could see my worthiness and my value, then that would make me real. That would fix everything. That would fix my relationship with my mom. That would not, like, not necessarily in my current relationship with my mom, but that would fix my trauma, my, fix my experience. If I could take this person who was treating me in exactly the same way and turn it around, fix it, heal it, make it good, make it everything that I dreamed of, then I would have won something huge. I would have done something huge. But the real huge thing that we can do here in the situation, because we cannot force other people to change. We cannot force other people to be what we want them to be. And what we bring out of them has so much to do with us and the wounds that we reflecting and we're carrying. And if someone is an energetic match to that in some level, it's going to come out of them. And it's not even necessarily their fault because they're embodying the energy that you are almost calling them to embody. So the real big work in that situation, instead of staying in the relationship and trying to fix it or trying to fix the other person or fix myself or feel like I have to be constantly proving my worth and my value to this person is to step away and instead of focus on healing my freaking mother wounds, like... And I, it, it's so funny because even like years and years and years and years and years of healing, it's, it's still deeper layers. And so there's this, you know, big realization and awareness of that. And no, it really, it really is healing those core wounds for ourselves. And for me as well with healing that mother wound, it goes back to, you know, the, the exercise and the experience that I was talking about before going back to into those timelines, into those inner child, you know, connecting with my inner child in the quantum field and essentially rewriting my timeline. So that current me has had a different childhood. Like the way that I feel right now, the way that I've shifted my reality, even just this from this morning is that, you know, I had a childhood where my mother was calm and secure and safe and nurturing. And she had a supportive husband. I had a, you know, I had an amazing father. This is the reality that I'm rewriting, reprogramming, repatterning for myself. And it's not something that can just happen overnight. It takes time. It's a process. And undeniably, we keep attracting these, these different energies into our life, these different beings who reflect these energies in order for us to get a clearer mirror and clearer picture of ourselves. Because we often, we know ourselves through relationships. We know ourselves through our mirrors. And it's such a clear picture of who we're attracting into our lives. It's such a clear picture of what we perceive about ourselves how what we value within ourselves what we value within other people so it's so easy for people to be like oh my god this person's a narcissist they're a narcissist they're terrible like I'm I was you know I was so stupid I fell under the spell of a narcissist but in reality girl take a step back because why the hell are you attracting this person in the first place 
Why did you get into that relationship in the first place? Why did you stay in that relationship? These are the questions we need to be asking ourselves, not blaming the other person and their traumas, but looking at what within us was playing into that dynamic, what within us was desiring that dynamic, what within us was so turned on by that dynamic, so, you know, enjoying it in a way, because there is a reason why we stay, even if we consciously think, oh my God, this is terrible, I need to leave. There is a reason, (laughs) and there are things being played out that, we need to work with and look at. And it's like, not until we actually do the work and actually dive down to the core root of it, is anything going to change in our relationships and who and how we attract things. So instead of being the victim in these situations, instead of being like, ah, I'm such a victim. This person came and they did this to me and they did that to me and all that. No, no, no. Instead of, instead of being a victim in this situation, take back the control of your reality. Be like, hey, okay, I made a mistake. <laughs> I messed up. I unconsciously live. I lived from an unconscious place. I was living from a place of lack. I was letting my unconscious desires rule and manifest my life for me. And once we take back that power and realize, hey, okay, so I let this happen, but I also have the capacity to, to not let it happen again. I have the capacity to change the narrative, change the situation and change my life. You know, and I, I want to say this with the utmost most care and respect as well, because I know how difficult it is to be in those scenarios. And I know how much of a push pull and how much of a resistance it can feel like when you consciously know, oh my God, this is not good for either of us. This is, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of this? And I was in that same position, even, you know, just last week being like, how the hell am I going to get out of this situation? Like how, like literally praying. And the thing is like, even just by asking that question, how am I going to get out of this? How can I heal this? How can I move through this? We invite in the answer. And for me, it was, you know, the answer came through friends. It came through support of soul sisters who showed me real and genuine love and compassion and holding and and cutting ties, cutting psychic, emotional, energetic ties as well, because that's a real thing. That's a real thing. When you have a really deep connection with someone and you have, and you're able to, you know, connect psychically or emotionally or mentally and, those ties can get really deep and they can pull you back even when your conscious mind is saying, hey, get me out of here. I'm suffering. Like this is suffering. And another clear freaking sign for myself and for anyone listening, listen to your body. Listen to your body. If your body feels nauseous, if your body feels tired, if you feel drained after being with this person, if your head hurts, that is a clear as hell sign this person is not for you. And I know there's so much rhetoric. I'm just going to like lightly touch on this subject right now. There's so much rhetoric around twin flames that is so damaging and so toxic because the whole dynamic that people talk about with twin flames the chaser the runner you know the like you can't you can't get away from this person you're so connected you're so obsessed with each other that is literally a 
toxic ass narrative. That's a toxic dynamic. I don't care if someone's your twin flame or your soulmate or your life partner, whatever it may be. If you're not safe with this person, if you're not able to feel safe and have a grounded and healthy connection, throw the label out the goddamn window and get the hell out. Okay, because your body, mind, and soul's well being needs to be your top priority over pleasing someone else. And I'm saying this to my codependents, to my people pleasers, to my empaths. You got to start setting boundaries with yourself and with the universe to what you're willing to accept and what you're willing to tolerate in this life because you cannot keep killing yourself to please other people. You can't, you have to stop because they're never going to appreciate or they're never going to recognize or appreciate what you've done and you're going to end up drained and angry at yourself because you know what's best for you. You know what you need to do. And when you're in denial and resistance of that fact, that's when you create dis-ease in your body, disharmony. You create lack, you create separation. It affects every area of your life. And oh my God, let me tell you, like I went on way too long feeling so drained and so upset and so questioning and so a shell of myself in a lot of ways because I was giving my power away I was overly being attached and needy to someone in a way that wasn't truly loving to either of us. All for this label, all for this rhetoric of, oh, this is my person. I'm meant to suffer for this person. Like, no, we need to throw this out the window, this idea that you need to keep trying and pushing and forcing to make something work with someone. No, like when you're with the right person, it's, it's easy it feels safe. It feels easy. You don't get the butterflies. Like this is something that's become so clear to me. It's like when you're with the right person, you won't feel nervous around them. Maybe, you know, when you first meet them or you're first getting to know them, like that's normal. But like, if you feel the anxiety around someone, it is your body, your higher self, your guidance system, clearly blatantly telling you no. And no matter what the words or the mind or the ideas that the mind wants to create, it doesn't make a difference because there are infinite beings in this world who can love you. But the most important thing is for you to love yourself and have your own strong sense of self and your own internal universe that you have a conscious and divine relational connection with. Because when you're listening to that, you are, you are so powerful. There's no limitation. And a lot of the times, even, and like, I'll admit with myself, like even having such a huge awareness and capacity and being so connected with my parts and communicating with my higher self, even when my guides and my higher self were giving me clear guidance to remove myself from the situation, my human aspects were still so entangled and so enmeshed and so unable to move on and let go. And that's so important to hold compassion for that as well. Hold compassion for the wounded inner child who feels the false safety of this person or feels the false, you know, all oh, this person feels familiar to me. So that feels safe. They feel familiar to me of like an abusive parent. So that feels safe to me. Even, you know, holding that with love, holding that with compassion, 
even as you're moving out of the situation, even as you're realizing or having all sorts of emotions coming up, anger, realization, hurts, harm, regret, sadness, desire for the person, holding all of it with so much compassion and so much acceptance and so much love and continually working to rebuild that narrative, rebuild that experience from our, for ourselves from the quantum, through our bodies, through our physical cellular DNA expression of this energy and through our mental capacity, our mental programming, our conscious and unconscious mind. And these are some of the tools that have helped me tremendously in this process. And I just am here to share my realizations, share my process, share my messages, share my guidance as well to whoever needs this, because I trust that it will find whoever needs it. And if I were just to say to whoever you are who is facing this type of situation, whether you think someone's your twin flame or your soulmate or not, first of all, throw that whole thing out of the window. That's our society, especially the spiritual community, quote unquote, has gotten very dangerously, dangerously enmeshed in this rhetoric and in this narrative of your twin flame is like your person or the person you're supposed to be with. That is not the case. That is not always the case. Very rarely, I feel, is it actually the case. And the reason why a twin flame or someone else comes into your life is to reflect to you what you need to learn about yourself, what you need to integrate about yourself what you need to, what you've been den denying about yourself. And it's the clearest, most painful, most triggering mirror you're ever going to face. And that in itself is, is a beautiful, beautiful experience. And it's a true, it truly shows how aware and conscious and ready you are to face that part of yourself because it wouldn't be showing up if you aren't ready. So honoring that lesson, honoring that process, but also recognizing that the whole purpose of the twin flame, I feel like, because, you know, they talk about, you know, two souls becoming one, yada, yada. You need to find your sense of self as yourself. You need to believe that you are your own twin flame. There is no one in this world who is going to complete you. Okay. There is no one in this world who is going to fill in the missing gaps this is your work to do that for yourself so you can attract from a complete place, not attracting from a place of lack or attracting from a place of needing someone to fix you or help you fix yourself. Because when you attract from that place, it is not going to end well. It's, it's going to be messy. It's going to be painful. And although you find comfort and you find joy and satisfaction in that person, and these are beautiful things that you know, we are able to appreciate and, you know, cherish those experiences. Your true journey, your true purpose is finding this, this infinite well and source of love within yourself and within the whole world. Your primary relationship is with life. This is your primary relationship with yourself and with life with the universe, how you interact with the world, how you move through the world, how you interact with all beings, all energies, and how you interact with yourself, how you hold yourself, how you integrate and work with the different parts and aspects of yourself, which in themselves are complex and beautiful and deep dynamics and relationships. And I'm not saying that we should avoid relationships or deny relationships, although I, you know, I've been down that road as well of being very tempted to just be like, write the whole thing off, like just be like no relationships. But 
we we've got to keep our hearts open. We have to keep ourselves open to all of this, open to love, open to the experience, because we are able to experience infinite different expressions of love through different beings, through different reflections, through different instances, even just, you know, seeing someone on the street or connecting with someone or having a conversation that just lasts one night, like there are infinite expressions of love in this universe. And we don't need to get so attached to the one's that are painful, but we also get to recognize the worth in everything that we're experiencing and the worth and value in ourselves. And that's been my my biggest lesson lately has been recognizing the value in myself and unraveling all of the other stuff around that, all of the unconscious aspects around that, that enjoy putting someone above me, putting someone on a pedestal, deifying someone when truly we're all equal. We're all, we're all equal. We're all experiencing this life. We're all here together and no one is better than any other, regardless of whether you think someone is a narcissist or whether you think someone is being codependent or whether you think someone's trauma, whether you feel like you're the victim or you're the perpetrator. We're all equals. We're all equals in the eyes of the divine. And we're all here having this experience together. So just holding compassion for all of it, holding love for all of it, being in our hearts. And, you know, from that place, from that place, from the place of being within our heart and living within our heart and being real and honest and authentic with ourselves and others, everything is clear. I love you. Have a beautiful morning, evening, noon, or night, wherever you are in this crazy world. And take sweet, sweet care of yourselves. We will talk soon. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, share this episode with someone who you think could benefit from hearing it or can resonate. And if you would like to go deeper with me, please check out my website in the link below. Take care. It's truly a story I tell myself each morning. I'm beautiful and worthy. I'm safe and truly deserving. Speaking into existence and release your resistance. Speaking into existence and release your resistance. Wake up, rise up. Meditating, congregating with my soul's truth